Last week was an uplifting service, uh, an uplifting scripture passage. It was reflected in Helene's opening uh, hymn, Blessed Assurance, where we began the sermon series on Ephesians. And in the very opening, there's this ascription of praise about who God is and all that God has done. God has loved us and had us in mind since before the beginning of time. God has reconciled us back to him through his son, Jesus Christ. God offers us forgiveness. God gives us a fresh start. And God promises us a rich inheritance. And what are we asked to do in return for all that God has done for us? Praise God. Worship God. So it was pretty simple. It was a pretty enjoyable service, I hope that uh, you felt that way, that it was just uplifting. Today we move into chapter 2, and the verses are 11 through 22, and we start to get more challenging of a message. It's an important message, but it's a challenging message, because Paul is bringing up the clear divisions that have taken place between Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews. There has been thousands of years of hatred and animosity and resentment that has been built up over time. And here Paul comes along and he says to both of them, now that you both have been reconciled back to God, it is time that you reconcile with one another. Hear now the word of the Lord. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people out of two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and brought peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's been rather interesting that as we have moved an hour, we're still living in New Jersey, how different the sports fan base allegiance has changed. <laughs> no longer Eagles and Sixers fans. No, we got Yankees fans in the house today. Maybe some Mets fans or Giants fans. But what's clear is the disdain between Boston and New York that have come out of your mouths that I have heard time and time again and I'm hearing right now. You know, there's nothing wrong with healthy rivalries. Um, sometimes things go too far, as we saw last night in the Red Sox-Yankees game, went too far. But that is nothing compared to what the Jews and the Gentiles were dealing with, of what Paul is referring to. Established ways of life had been built up for centuries to avoid one another, to despise one another. That's why when we read Jesus by the Samaritan, uh, the, the woman by the well, he went out of his way to have that interaction in a way that no one would at the time. And the way that he treated her was different than anyone would at that time. Established ways of living had been set up. And so here are just a few examples of that time. Hate for the Gentiles was so strong that Jewish leaders taught that Gentiles were the fuel for the fires of hell. That it was not lawful at that time for a Jew to assist a Gentile mother who was giving birth because that would enable another Gentile into this world. That if a Jewish boy or girl were to marry a Gentile, that those Jewish parents would hold a funeral for their child. And that just wasn't one way. This goes both ways. Gentiles would do similar types of things. And so ways of life and thinking had been so clearly established. And here Paul comes along and he calls on both groups. He's not taking sides. He's saying, lay down all hostility that you have with one another. Everything that you have ever known, forget about it and enter into something new. Don't see yourself as two separate groups anymore. See yourself as one. Now, my guess is that as the Jews and the Gentiles throughout Ephesus are reading this letter, that this wasn't just some miraculous kumbaya moment where they are just able to all love one another and get along. My guess is this is one of the more challenging messages that they could ever hear. And it's challenging for us. We live in a time and a place where walls of hatred and division continue to be erected and animosity and division continue to be built up and entrenched. Whether it's because of race or gender or politics, sexual orientations, ethnicity, the walls have been built up high and are strong. And that's the macro level. But let's bring us closer to home. There's animosity that we all have with certain people or families that even though I'm a new pastor and I'm not aware exactly of what they are, my guess is that this church isn't any different than any other church. My guess is that there are people and there are families within this church 
They don't speak to one another. They'll probably do whatever they can to try to avoid one another. And this has just been going on for years and years. Today's text shines a light on these kind of ugly realities that happened back then and then still happen to this day. And sometimes we don't like it when light gets shined on things that are ugly and uncomfortable. But Paul brings it up. And I've been called and ordained to preach faithfully and truthfully and to speak about how God's word relates to today. And so the truth is that what they were struggling with 2000 years ago, things haven't changed. We still remain divided by fear and bitterness. Too often we choose to hold on to grudges. Too often we form cliques. Too often we believe that building higher walls is the answer and the solution to our problems. And Paul comes along and says, things have changed. You're no longer two separate nations. You are one. You are one humanity. Listen again, Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are all members of God's family. God has the same message for us. Stop allowing fear and resentment and scapegoating to divide us. Come together. Be one people. Seek unity and peace and reconciliation whenever you possibly can. It sounds good, doesn't it? Now let's get into how. How can we do such a difficult task? I thought I had a pretty good answer, you know, given that this was All-Star Week and turn on the TV and I see Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole, they're on the same team as J.D. Martinez and, Z and Xander Bogarts. And I could say, see, we all come together. We're all on this God's all-star team. And then I read the verses in between last Sunday's scripture passage and this, where Paul says, you have all fallen short of the glory of God. None of you have reason to boast. He's saying, we're not a bunch of all-stars. He's saying we're just the opposite. He's saying we're a bunch of Clint Frazier's. For those of you who don't know, I had to look at the stats. He's batting under 200. I had to pick on one person. So I apologize for any Clint Frazier fans out there. Paul's saying not only should we all be relegated to the minors, we should probably be cut from the team. So that's not the answer of all the good things that we have done that brings us together magically. Now, the other thing he doesn't say is that we should all be the same. Today's message is basically a continuation of the very first sermon I gave to you on Pentecost, where he had all those diverse people and voices. There's a call for unity, but there is not a call for uniformity here. We're not all called to root for the same team or to be a part of the same party. Diversity remains important to God, and it should remain important to us as well. Here's what Paul does say. 
the only way that we can be united is in and through Christ Jesus. Someone or something that is bigger than each and every one of us, what Christ has done on our behalf supersedes anything that we can say or do. And this is about what Christ has accomplished on our behalf that has changed the landscape for all time and for all people. This is the good news of the gospel about what Christ has accomplished. Listen to what Israel Katmanzandu says in his commentary on these verses. The Apostle Paul uses the phrase Commonwealth of Israel as a metaphor signifying that Gentiles and Jews are now one family on the basis of Christ's blood, who sacrificed his life for the entire human family. The creation of a new humanity through the death and resurrection of Jesus made it possible for both Jews and Gentiles to live together in a relationship of peace and reconciliation. Hence, the hostility that once existed between Jews and Gentiles was destroyed by the events of the cross. Therefore, the 21st century global church, that is us, is summoned to reconsider ways that we can live together without walls of hostility towards one another. Christ came to offer a new and different way of living. One that is countercultural. One that goes against the grain of our cultural norms, of so many voices that we hear today that seek to divide us. We are called to be united in Christ. We are called to be one body of believers. We are called to be living examples for all the world to see of a different, better way to live than a tribalistic, nationalistic approach that continues to cause so much pain, so much heartache, and so much division. This new way doesn't focus on how we typically see one another. It focuses on how God sees one another. This new way makes it so that borders and nationalities and races and genders don't keep us divided. A way where we're no longer split up into these tiny tribes, but life gets bigger. Life expands. Opportunities to love and respect and get to know people from different backgrounds now becomes endless. With Christ as our peace, with Christ as our foundation, as we will sing at the end of the service, life gets so much bigger, so much richer, and so much fuller. And so let me provide us with three down-to-earth ways that we can try to live into this challenge. For it is challenging. First, do everything that we can to try to avoid labels. And that includes towards others and towards yourself. Whenever you label someone, you are taking a dangerous step towards looking at them as less than human. There are two powerful experiences that I had. One was the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem. And the other was the genocide memorial in Rwanda. That whole upper section in that genocide memorial was example after example of the different genocides that took place. Every single time, another group was labeled. And that label 
finds a way to refer to them as less than human. When we label, we diminish humanity. And we do it too often. We need to be aware of the words that we use. And so let us try to avoid using labels as much as we possibly can. The second is seeking to change our vision. Last week, you hopefully recognized that you are a beloved, chosen, adopted child of God. You are deeply loved and valued for exactly who you are. It is important you embrace this, but that is truly who you are. And that is how God sees you. Now we're called to take the next step to recognize that the same vision that God has for you, God has for every single other person. God has adopted them into his family. God loves them for who they are. And so I want us to pray this week. Pray that we can learn to see others as God already sees them. And here's the third thing that we can do. And this is going to take some courage. Reach out to one person that for far too long you have held a grudge against. Maybe something happened. Maybe words were said. But since then, relationship has been strained or broken. I want you to reach out to that person today, this week. And just say hello. See how they're doing. Treat them with kindness and respect. And see if that might be just the first step towards mending that relationship. Those are just three down-to-earth ways that you can allow Christ's love to transform your life, to transform your mindset, and transform your relationships. In a world that is so bitterly divided, these are just a few important steps that we can take in allowing our relationship with Jesus Christ to bring us together, to unite us, and to live the way that God has called us to live. Amen.